Hi, this is Chris Sorensen. Welcome to Brookville Road Community Church Podcast. If you haven't done so already, please take a moment to check out our website at brookvilleroad.cc for all the latest information about what's going on at Community Church. I hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in becoming a wholehearted follower of Jesus Christ. Enjoy. Have you ever stopped and asked God what he wants to do with your life? Have you ever asked God, God, what do you want to do with, with my passions, with my skills, with my job, with my resources, so that your glory would be known, so that other people might know your son, Jesus Christ? I think that's the best task that we could ever do. Your best day ever is when you help somebody understand how to have their best eternity ever. Not just their best life now, but their best eternity ever. Your best day is the day that you introduce somebody else to Jesus Christ. That's your best day and their best eternity. We're gonna be in the book of Mark today. If you'd open to Mark chapter two, we're gonna look at the calling of one of Jesus' disciples who lived that out, who understood what a joy it is to know Jesus and then to make Jesus known to others. We're gonna see the calling of a disciple by the name of Levi. Does anybody know the name that we commonly call Levi? Matthew, thank you, good job. Others probably said it in back, I just couldn't hear it. Matthew, Levi is Matthew. We've already looked at the calling of four other disciples. We looked at Peter and Andrew, James and John. And in fact, it was Matthew who wrote about that in Matthew chapter four. He said, one day, Jesus is walking along the Sea of Galilee and he sees these guys and they're throwing a net into the sea. And then Matthew says, for they were fishermen, in case you didn't know they were fishermen. So, for they were fishermen. And then Jesus says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And the Bible tells us that they followed him. They immediately followed him. They left the net, they left their boats, they left their jobs, they left their families, and they started to follow Jesus. And and we said, that's what it is for our lives to follow Jesus. To be a disciple of Jesus means that God chose us. He moved in our direction. We had the opportunity to hear the gospel. God chose us to be with him, to walk with him, to know him, to have a relationship with him. God chose us to be with him, to leave it all, like those other disciples, to say, more important than anything else in this world is Jesus. Jesus, you're my Lord, your manager, you're more important than anything else in this world. God chose us to be with him, to leave it all, and then to reproduce spiritually, that that we would go out and we would make disciples, that we would be fishers of men, that we would take part in what Jesus was all about. So we saw Jesus calling those disciples, and now today in Mark 2, we're gonna see him call Matthew. We know that Matthew, his profession was what? Quiz day, right? Yeah, tax collector. Matthew was a tax collector. And if you, if you were in that time, you would hear the word tax collector, you would say, see a tax collector, you'd be like, ew, gross, yuck, hate those people. They keep taking all of our money. See, Matthew was contracted by the Romans who were oppressing the Jewish people to go out among his Jewish friends and then collect their money, collect their taxes. And many of those tax collectors would take even more and pocket it. That's how they got rich. Nobody wanted to see the tax collector. Nobody wanted to see Matthew. They're not interested in this guy. They want to stay as far away from Matthew as possible. Not interested And yet it is Matthew that Jesus walks up to when nobody else would want to walk up to him, and he says, follow 
me. And Matthew, this guy that everybody hated, this guy who's associated with sinners, this guy was able to see Jesus' ministry. He walked with him. He witnessed Jesus' death on the cross. He witnessed the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This is a disciple of Jesus. He wrote one of the four gospel books that we have in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And this is how Mark records the calling of Matthew. Mark 2, verse 13. Here we go. He went out. Jesus went out again beside the sea. And all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, Matthew, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. For he was a tax collector. All right, yeah, Mark doesn't, Mark doesn't say that. But he's a tax collector, and I can just imagine the other disciples that Jesus has already called and said, hey, follow me, let's, let's just go do life together. And now they're walking towards Matthew, Levi, at the tax collector booth, and I imagine all of them are like, oh, no. Jesus is gonna do it again. No, 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 Jesus. We don't need a tax collector. Do not ask this guy to be part of our posse. Do not ask him. Our group is fine as we are. Not a tax collector. Anybody else but a tax collector. Nobody likes to be around this guy. We don't want to associate with him. Don't do it, Jesus. Like, we don't need a tax collector. If you need a money guy, I mean, we've got Judas. He's taking care of the money. We don't need Matthew. Don't, Jesus. No, 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 no. Jesus said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And I'm sure the others are just shaking their heads. I can't believe that Jesus would ask a tax collector. I mean, we know we're sinners, but this guy, I cannot believe it. And as he reclined at table in his house, so the scene has changed. No longer along the scene. Now they're in Matthew's house and they're having a meal. As they're reclined at the table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And the reason that there's many tax collectors there is because nobody else is going to hang out with Matthew. It's only tax collectors who hang out with other tax collectors. They're seen as sinners. They're seen as outcasts. Only the losers get together at Matthew's house. Nobody wants to be eating dinner with Matthew. Nobody wants to go near him and all the other sinners except Jesus. For there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, I'm sure in a very derogatory way, why? Does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Now, I wanna, I wanna ask some questions related to what we just read. And then after asking those questions, we're gonna apply some principles to our life. So the first question that I have for us is this. What do these verses, next slide, what do these verses reveal, thank you, about Jesus? What does this say about Jesus when we look in here? So when Jesus basically approaches Matthew and he says, follow me, he says, I want you to be my friend. I want us to do life together. Let's hang out. Follow me. Where are we gonna go, Jesus? Just follow me. We'll figure it out day by day. But you follow me. Let's have meals together. I wanna get to know you. You get to know me. Hang out with the rest of our crew. 
follow me. I want a relationship with you. I want to invite you into my mission. I want to invite you into my life. It is a relationship that Jesus is inviting him into. And it is the same call that Jesus gives to us. We see that Jesus desires a relationship with us. Jesus desires a relationship with you and me, even though we're broken sinners. Just like Matthew. Even though we have brokenness and sin in our own lives, it is to us that Jesus comes. He said he didn't come to call righteous people, he came to call sinners. Really, Jesus isn't looking for people who think, you know what, I don't need God. I'm fine on my own. I'm righteous in and of myself. I don't need forgiveness. I don't need God. I'm good. Jesus is like, all right, moving on. Because what I'm looking for are sinners. And many people would think that they're righteous in and of themselves, but there really are no righteous people. There are only sinners. There are only people who would really have to come to the point where they'd have to say, I don't have enough holiness in myself to be able to approach God. I am a sinner. And those are the people that Jesus is looking for. He's looking for people who, like, in the room today, any sinners in the house? And my hand goes up, and I'm like, "Uh uh-huh, yep, I am a sinner Pastor Chris, sinner in need of a savior. In need of a savior back then, in need of a savior now, in need of a savior down the road. I need a savior. I don't have righteousness in and of myself. Jesus, please stop by my way. Invite me to be your friend. I would love to have your life and follow you. So if you have some sin in your life, if you're kind of the outcast, if there has ever been a moment in your life that you thought, I have gone too far, I'm not quite sure that God even wants me in his house. I'm not quite sure that God wants to know me. I have sinned too much. You are wrong, friend. Jesus Christ is moving in your direction and says, you're just the kind of person I'm looking for. So everybody in the house today who's like, I have sin. You, Chris, you don't know what I did last night. You don't know what I have in mind down the road. Some of the students in here kind of been wilding out in their life. Like, I'm not quite sure that God would love me. No, Jesus is moving your direction. And he says, follow me. And you can know him. You can have a relationship with Jesus right in the midst of where you are. You have not gone too far. Jesus is moving your way. And he wants a relationship with you. And it is a relationship that God has provided through his son, Jesus Christ, even in our sinfulness. Jesus desires a relationship with us so that when we move in his direction, then we have this relationship while we then begin to experience his forgiveness and freedom and life in him. And all of that is possible in spite of our brokenness, in spite of our sin, when we begin to understand that we are sinners and we'll go ahead and admit, I don't have what it takes. I've tried, I can't do it. I need a savior. And then we begin to recognize what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us, taking on all of our sin, all of our shame, all of the wrath of God, everything that was due me, put on Jesus. And when I understand that, and I understand that Jesus rose from the dead and he's alive today, and I put my faith, my trust, I lean into that truth, then the Bible tells us that God moves in our direction and he gives us a right standing. That word is righteousness, a right standing with God, not because of our goodness, but because of Jesus Christ and what he has done by moving in our direction, taking on all of our sin and all of our shame so 
that we might know what freedom and forgiveness and life is. Friend, you can know Jesus. You can have a relationship with him. I bring you good news. You can know the Lord. The Bible tells us, Jesus says, when, when we're born again, that, that's his phrase that he talked to Nicodemus. Nicodemus is like, hey, how, am I, how are we gonna get to heaven? And Jesus says, well, you're gonna get there by being born again, by being a new creation, by having your spirit made alive in me. When we are born again, it's, we're, we're born into a relationship. And we talk about relationships a whole lot around here. We say that, that a relationship, uh, if we're gonna be a wholehearted follower of Jesus, a relationship is needed with God. And not just a relationship with God, we then have a relationship with other believers in the church. And it's not just a relationship with God and a relationship with other believers, but then we have a relationship with people in the world who don't yet know his love and haven't experienced what we've experienced through the forgiveness of Christ. See, not only are we children of God, we then have brothers and sisters in Christ that we relate to, and then we become missionaries. And we go out and we begin to share the love of God with others. The heart of Jesus revealed in this passage is one of relationship, and then it moves in the direction of mission. Jesus invites us to be on mission with him. He desires this. He he wants us to walk with him and then to work through our lives, to be on mission. You say, well, all right, what's Jesus' mission? Well, he's already talked about in verse 17. He said, I didn't come to call righteous people who don't think that they need me or need God. I came to call sinners. In another place, he says, I came to seek and save the lost. There are people who are wandering around in darkness and sin. I came to show them light. There are people who are are dead spiritually. I came to give them life. And he says to his disciples, I want you to follow me, and then I'm going to use your life to extend that love and that grace to others. And that's what's happening with Matthew. Matthew, follow me. Okay, begins to follow him. Next place they go, they're in Matthew's house. Immediately, Matthew becomes this conduit of the love of God to his sphere of influence, to his friends, to all those tax collectors and sinners that have gathered. Jesus immediately begins to use this man through a relationship to begin to impact the lives of others on mission. Immediately. It's a beautiful thing. This, in fact, is what John MacArthur writes about this. He says, Jesus had the power and the right to accomplish the work of proclaiming the gospel by himself. But that was not his plan. He could have done it alone, but he never intended to do it alone. From the beginning of his ministry, his plan was to use disciples, to win disciples. That is the plan of God. He can can do this all on his own. He has the right to do it on his own. He has the authority to do it on his own. But he chooses to use his people. He chooses to use followers. This is not unintended. This has been the plan all along that Jesus Christ would call to himself individuals who would follow him and then through our lives, other people would come to know his son, Jesus. They would come to know him as savior. Jesus desires a relationship with us so that God can then work through our lives to minister to others around us. The heart of Jesus is a relationship with us, not just so that we can have a relationship with him, but so he can use our lives to touch the lives of others, which leads us to the next question. The next question is this, how do I seek to lead people to Jesus? If he's calling me to have a relationship with him and then I'm to be his disciple and follow as the other disciples and to be on mission, how do I do this? Now, I recognize that, you know, as, as I stand up here and I talk about sharing our faith, like, like going out and sharing the gospel, the good news, uh, the Christian word is evangelism. 
I recognize that as I talk about this kind of thing, a lot of times there's just this sense of guilt. Like, oh, man, I don't want to hear this. And, and the reason I think that there's that sense is because I've sat where you sat. I've had preachers preaching. They talk about evangelism. I had teachers teaching about evangelism and sharing my faith. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to hear that. Because every time I hear it, I just feel guilty. Because I, I know I haven't done it well in the past. And I'm not doing it very well right now. And I'm not quite sure I have what it takes to get it done in the future. And I end up with all of this guilt. And I, I end up with just, you know, excuses about why I can't do this. That's not my spiritual gift. I'm not quite sure. I'll just be nice to people. And I recognize that as I share this kind of thing, there's the potential for you to feel guilty. And I want you to know that is not my intention. I am not to manipulate you with guilt. If, now, if there's conviction from the Holy Spirit, I'm good with that. But I'm not here to manipulate. I, I'm not here to manipulate you to share your faith with others or to give money or to do anything like that. I'm here today just simply to tell you who Jesus is and what he has called his disciples to do. For us to see the life of Christ and then to say, what does the life of Christ in me look like? How does it play itself out? And so we got to ask, how do we lead people to Jesus? Now, there's a, a phrase that I, I want us to think about as we think about how it would be that we would share our faith with somebody else. And, and this is the phrase. I am to talk to Jesus about people, and I am to talk to people about Jesus. How, how do I share my faith? I am to talk to Jesus about people, and I am to talk to people about Jesus. And again, if, if we're talking about this and what you have is a whole bunch of, of guilt and, you know, you've got these excuses about why it would be impossible for you to share your faith, to witness to somebody else, how, you know, it's just, I don't know, I can't do it. If that is your heart, if that's where you're at, there is something that will help you overcome that guilt, that shame, those excuses, that fear. And that is when what is on God's heart is on your heart. Because when what is on God's heart is on your heart, your perspective changes. And when your perspective changes, your heart changes. And your heart changes with prayer. Your heart changes with prayer. Have you ever noticed that before? Have you ever had anybody that you're just like super honked off at and then you start praying for them? I hope you have. And then as you start to pray for them, you're not as mad at them anymore. Uh, when, I'll, when I do counseling from time to time and there's couples and they're arguing and stuff like this, I'll say, hey, when you're in the heat of the moment and you're fighting and you're arguing, why don't you just stop in that moment and pray together? I have yet to have one of those couples come back and say, we stopped when we were arguing and we prayed and it just got hotter after we prayed. Every single time, hearts soften with prayer. It changes things. Our heart begins to be transformed. So when we pray, it's not just simply like, you know, help me, bless me, give me. It is gaining the heart of God. So here's what we're asking you to do. I am to talk to Jesus about people. So we'll look at the first part of this. Talk to Jesus about people. That's prayer. It's not just give me, give me, give me. But when you spend time in prayer, what you begin to find is that your heart begins to change. Your perspective on life begins to change. So when you pray for somebody else to know Jesus as their Savior, there is a new kind of relationship that is developed in that moment. That is the moment that what is on God's heart ends up on your heart. And believe me, believe me, friend, it is on God's heart that the people that you know and love 
know Jesus as Savior. And the reason that I can say that is because he sent his own son to die for them. If he didn't want them to know him, he wouldn't allow that to happen. He sent Jesus to the cross because of a deep love for everyone in this room who does not yet know him, for every person that God has laid on your heart. He wants them to know his son, Jesus Christ. It becomes our opportunity then to pray for them. And praying for them, it's work. I, I like what Charles Stanley has to say about this. I love Charles Stanley. He says, sharing our faith means we've entered into spiritual warfare. The forces of darkness will always strive against the power of God. Our mightiest weapon is specific, persistent prayer on behalf of our lost friends. When we pray for an unbelieving friend, we confess our dependence upon God for his leadership, his wisdom, his timing. Friends, we have to pray for our loved ones. We need to pray for those that he lays on our hearts because then when we begin to pray, I begin to realize that I am not the sole individual who is responsible for all of this. I stop thinking that I have to have all of the right answers, that I have to do everything right, that the timing has to be right. It, it, it's not on me. I just realize I'm dependent on God. I'm dependent on him. I am dependent on his help in the conversation. I can't get the timing right. I have no ability to convict somebody else of their sin. That's what the spirit does. My only responsibility is to say, God, would you help me? Would you give me such a love for you and what you've put into my heart? Would you allow that to spill out on those who are around me? And God, would you help me in that conversation? The timing of all of that, it's yours. I can't change them. But Lord, I need to pray for them. And then we don't just pray for them. Don't just talk to Jesus about them. Talk to people about Jesus. This is, this is where we proclaim. So we pray and proclaim. So if that whole sentence was kind of confusing, talk to Jesus about people, about people to Jesus, just remember, pray and proclaim. We're to pray and proclaim. That's, that's what I want you to learn from today. That's what I want you to take home with you. So when your kid asks you in the car, what did you learn in church today? Pray and proclaim. Wouldn't that be great if kids asked their parents, what did you learn in church today? Rather than you asking them, what did you learn? Pray and proclaim. Every opportunity that we have is an opportunity to pray and proclaim for you to be able to talk about what God has done in your life. That's what it means to proclaim, to talk about the change and the transformation that has come for those of us in this room who are disciples of Jesus Christ to be able to tell our story. And you know your story better than anybody else. We're to pray and proclaim. The heart of Jesus is a relationship that then we have a relationship with him and he works through us so that we might be able to minister to others and love them and we would pray for them and we would proclaim the gospel good news to them. So I think it's important that we ask ourselves this final question. Who is one person I can seek to lead to Jesus? Who's one person that I can seek to lead to Jesus? Every single one of us. We, we have a circle of influence, right? I mean, there's, there's friends, there's family, coworkers, neighbors. And if the statistics are right, over half of them don't have a relationship with Jesus yet. Who's one person that God has laid on your heart that you would begin to pray for them and proclaim to them what Jesus has done in your life? And if there's over half of the people that you know that don't know Jesus, that's a tremendous opportunity for gospel impact. And I also recognize the fact that, you know, when we, when we are in church world long enough, you don't have as many of those friends as you did before. We start to look like the other people we're hanging out with. We kind of get in this Christian bubble. 
and all of our friends are, are saved and, and we stop interacting with the Matthews and the sinners. And we can stand on the outside and say, why would I have a meal with them? Why would I hang out with them? I just recognize the longer you're in church world, the harder it is. And man, if you're a paid professional Christian, it's even harder. Like my, the people that I work with, they all know Jesus, I think. I don't know. Got some questions about some of them. So I've got I've to try harder. I've got to get outside in my Christian bubble. I have to find ways to be able to, to befriend other individuals so that I have this opportunity not to just read about it and tell you to do it, but for me to do it. Who's your one? Who's your one? Who has God laid on your heart for you to share, to pray for? Friend, God saved you because he loves you. And he saved you because he loves your friends and your family and your coworkers and your neighbors. He didn't save you just for you. He saved you so that you would make an impact on the lives around you. Around here, we say we want everybody to become a wholehearted follower of Jesus. Everybody. Well, how do we get everybody to do that? It starts with one. Who's your one? Who's the individual that God has laid in your heart that you have a relationship with, but they don't have a relationship with Jesus yet? Somebody who hasn't embraced the gospel yet. Is there somebody that God has laid on your heart and your mind and you're thinking about them right now? That's your one. Write it down. Keep it in front of you. I, I've been praying for my one for a number of months now. And as I pray for my one, my heart expands. And my prayers are daily, and my prayers go something like this. God, would you bless him today? And as you're blessing him, let him know it's you. God, would you open my friend's eyes to the truth of who you are? Would you open his ears to the gospel? Would you bring other people around him who will show him your love? God, would you give me opportunities to be able to minister to him? God, I long for the day that I get to be in heaven with my friend. And he's just laid this on my heart. He doesn't know, he doesn't know how much and how often I'm praying for him yet. But God knows. And I just trust that God is moving and providing these opportunities where the Spirit of God is providing opportunities for this man to come to know him as Lord and Savior. I, I use that prayer guide. There's others that are available at the back if you need one, but I use that prayer guide. Some of you are doing the same thing. I read over that scripture verse, and I, I fill in his name in the blank, and then on the other side, I'm writing out my prayer, and I'm just pleading to God, please save my friend. God, I want to be in heaven with him. I know you love him. God, would you give me the same kind of love that you have for him? Would you break my heart with the same kind of compassion that broke your heart to send your son, Jesus Christ, to the cross, and God does it. And I have to tell him. I have to tell him about what I've found. And you need to know, too, you can find freedom and forgiveness and wholeness in Jesus Christ. You can know him. What do we do with this? Here's the challenge for you to take home. The first thing I want you to do I want you to pray. Let's, let's talk to Jesus about our one. Let's just take them before the throne of God. Friend, it is spiritual warfare. The enemy would love to keep them in the dark, to keep them away from the love of Christ. Let's go ahead, bring them to the Lord and do it daily. Make this a habit. I would encourage you right now just to take out your phone and uh, open up your calendar. Some of you already have your phone out, and either reading the Bible or Candy Crush. I don't know, but you know, calendar time, all right? And just set it recurring. Best time of the day for you that you're not distracted, recurring alarm, pray for my one. 
You can write their name in there. That's fine. Put it in and then set it to like never end. Like never stop this thing. Daily I'm going to get up. For me, I have to do it early in the morning. That's when I do my God time because I find if I get on with my day, it's not happening. I get distracted with so many other things. So well before 7 o'clock, I've been praying for my one. And God has been breaking my heart and shaping me to look more like his son. Pray for your one, please. The next thing I would say is invite. Invite them. Be intentional to invite them to come to church with you. You don't have to invite only your one, but invite them to come. Invite them now. Invite them at Easter. April 12th is Easter. That's a great opportunity to invite somebody to come to church. People are much more willing to come around that time. We'll have little invitation cards that you can pass out. But I find Christmas and Easter, man, it's so much easier to get a yes. I mean, people, there might be a God, so they're going to hedge their bets, and they're going to get to church at Christmas or Easter. Why not invite them to come? I'm going to present the gospel. We're going to do our very best to provide the kind of environment where the Holy Spirit will have the opportunity to minister to your one's heart. So pray and invite and then proclaim. Proclaim, share your personal story. Talk to them about what God has done in your life. Pray, invite, proclaim. And when we talk about proclaim, I would encourage you to come back next week and we're gonna talk about how to use our personal story. It's gonna be very, very practical. How to use our personal story as we share with others, trying to eliminate some of that, that fear and the struggle that we have when it comes to actually walking this thing out. Pray, invite, proclaim. As I think about what God wants to do through us as we are truly his disciples, not just people who show up at church, not just people who say, I'm a Christian and it's a label, but truly disciples who begin to follow Jesus Christ. I long for the moment that you and I were in heaven and we're there like Revelation 21, like Micaiah had just read, like we're before the throne of God and we're enjoying his presence and we're looking back over history and we're thinking about this moment that all of us began to lean into. I don't wanna just say I'm a Christian, I wanna be a follower of Jesus and I'm gonna pray for my one and we're standing there with our one, with the person that God has laid on our heart. And I'll tell you what, best day ever, your best day ever is the day that you show somebody else how they can have the best eternity ever through your Savior, Jesus Christ. And we'll celebrate forever in heaven with God because of his son. On this side of heaven, I've got this vision. I, I, I just trust that there's gonna be this moment where you've been praying for your one and you're gonna baptize them. We don't just have the pastors do it at this church. Anybody who's been a spiritual influence, I long for the day that you walk out of that baptismal or maybe the one in the new building, you walk out and you say, that was my one. Look what God did. Look how God changed their life and we watched their life transform and their family transform and lives changed forever because we said we will be followers, disciples of Jesus. That's our call. Join me. Join me in showing the love of Christ to a world that is hurting and lost in darkness and needs to know the love of our Savior. Let's pray. Father, please, for this generation, for this neighborhood, this community, this place that you have called us, please, Lord, we pray that your spirit would go before us, that you would advance your kingdom. This isn't on us. It's not in us to do this, but it's in you. Fill us, Lord. Remove fear. Remove fear. 
and guilt and excuses and fill us with a love. The love that fills our heart from our Savior Jesus Christ and let it spill out on our family and our friends and our coworkers and our neighbors. Father, I pray that your will would be done. Help us as we walk out of this room to carry the truth of your son, the gospel good news to every life we see. We need your help. Change lives. Change us. In your name we pray. Amen. I'm sorry that it gets kind of emotional and I don't want it ever to be manipulative. I just want you to know the Lord and the joy of knowing him and to sense the burden that our Father has to display his love to this world. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the area and are looking for a church home, we'd love for you to join us at one of our weekend worship services. For service times and information about BRCC, be sure to check out brookvillroad.cc. God bless you.